2019 is here, like it or not. And it is going to be a fabulous year as well. Um, here at, at Northwood, we've been in a series called Paradox. And uh, we've, through the month of December, been able to take a look at not just some of the paradoxes in the Bible, but some of the things Jesus said that maybe didn't make tons of sense at surface value, but then as you dig into it, you realize, wow, this is very applicable to my life. Uh, the word paradox, actually, the definition is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigated or explained may prove to be well-founded or true. I found a couple of, of statements that I feel like are very par paradoxical and very applicable in my life, so maybe they'll apply to you. Number one was... Um, if you make a New Year's resolution to not keep any New Year's resolutions, would you keep it? <laughs> some, of you, some of you get that later, and that's why it's a paradox. This one, however, was a little more applicable for me. If you quit quitting, does that make you a quitter? <laughs> yeah. No, my personal favorite, and actually, this is like runs a close second to be my life statement. The older I get and the more I know, the less I realize I actually know. Come on, old people. You know what I'm saying. I knew everything when I was 20. Now that I'm 35, I don't know Jack. <laughs> Nothing. I'm clueless. So we've been looking at paradoxes through the month. Uh, week one, we looked at death for life. Week two, strength for weakness. Week three, give to receive. And then last week was our Christmas celebration uh, where we looked at Jesus changes everything and, and Jesus as God coming to be a man and doing it all backwards from what men would have him do was God's plan. Very paradoxical. And then this week, we're gonna take a look at the last shall be first. The last shall be first. And I'm going to tell you, it's, it's amazing God's concept that's going to help us today. We're going to take a look in Matthew chapter 19 at a story about the rich young ruler, as many call it. And then it's also found in Mark chapter 10. And this same story is found in Luke chapter 18. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 19, verse 16. Uh, Jesus has been preaching and going around with his disciples. And he's been doing some miracles. And he's getting, getting some uh, celebrity status, of course. People are flocking to him. They're wanting to hear his teaching, wanting to experience his, his miracles and uh, just be in his presence. Uh, an amazing teacher along the way. And, and so he's also receiving a lot of heat from the Pharisees. The Pharisees really come down on him and even some other people just that they're kind of manipulating him, trying to, 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 to test him, to see, is this a real deal? And so here he is, he's with his disciples. Uh, some kids come and they want to get up in his lap, want to be around Jesus and the disciples are running him off. And Jesus says, no, 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 suffer the little children. Let them come unto me. And he brings the kids and he blesses them. And it was about that time that our story picks up in Matthew chapter 19. It says in verse 16, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? I love that Jesus didn't just go into what it takes to get saved or to have eternal life. He kind of just questions him, can push, postures him, pushes him back a little bit. Why do you call me good? There's one is good. No one is good, but one that is God. But if you want to hear what I have to say, but if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. Verse 18, this young man, he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and your mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
The young man said to him, now watch this. The young man said to him, all these things I have kept from my youth. In one version in that transaction there, it says, and Jesus loved him. And, and I looked up the word love, you know, because a lot of times love, we say love, but it really just means I'm going to like you. But it means agape love. He really, his heart went out to this young man. So this wasn't a, this wasn't, Jesus did not perceive that he was like a Pharisee trying to, trying to come at Jesus. You know, he, he understood his sincerity and Jesus uh, responded to him and said, if you want to be perfect, go sell Sell what you have, your possessions, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Surely I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Now, now interestingly, in Jewish culture, it was believed that if you were wealthy, it was because God had favor on you and he had blessed you. You were favored of God. You were in his grace, you had done it right, and he had blessed you with wealth. I, I, and you remember Father Abraham, right? I mean, Abraham in the Bible was very blessed. Isaac, Jacob, they were very blessed by God because they were found righteous. And so in the Jewish culture, the mentality was that if you had it all together, if you were wealthy, that you were blessed of God. And here, Jesus says that the wealthy are gonna have a tough time. He didn't say wealthy couldn't get into heaven. Come on, some of you some of you need to like, whew, wipe the sweat from your brow. A lot of rich folk in here right now. Um, if you don't think you're rich, go to Guatemala. You'll come back and go, wow, I'm so wealthy. But, but he said, wealthy don't get into heaven so easy. And the disciples were like, oh, no. Then who, then who can go to heaven? I mean, goodness gracious. Even these disciples who had given up everything, and they said here, you know, hey, we've given up everything. What about us? Are we going to make it? Jesus looked at them and said, with men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Then Peter answered him and said, see, we, we've left everything. We've given up our riches. We've given up our boats and our businesses. We've given up our houses. We've given up everything, left all to follow you. Therefore, what shall we have? So Jesus said to them, assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you who have followed me will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who is has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold and inherit eternal life. Verse 30, but many who are first will be last and the last first. Father, help us today to take something home from this message. Help us today. Grow us today. Help challenge us today, Father. We want to grow. We want to see clearly. We want to understand so that we can be more like Christ. God, as believers, we want to be like Jesus. So help us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Rich, young guy came to Jesus and I believe he was sincere. I believe in reading the three, three different books of the Bible that talk about this story, he was sincere. He just was like, man, what do I gotta do? And Jesus responded. He responded with a challenge, really to the young man's wealth at the end of the day. 
Or you could say he challenged this young man's drive uh, to be wealthy, the drive to be first, the drive to be best, the drive to be at the top. Verse 23, he said, And Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he was very rich. And the truth is, you and I are also. We are very rich, and we live in America, and we live in a society, a culture, that from, from day one of your life to the day you die, it stimulates, it drives us to be wealthy. There's a wealth mentality. There's, it's, it's, it's a mentality that says, you know, you need, to, you need to grow up, be good. You need to get a good education, amen? Get a good education and, and, and get a good job and make money and save up for retirement and be the best version of you you can be. And I'm not knocking any of these things, but, but it is true. We grow up in a, in a society and a culture. We have grown up in a society and culture that, that continually pushes us to, to be better better, to have more. Come on, somebody say, I want more. You do. You know you do. Be honest. We want more. We, we're not satisfied with what we have. We want more. Our kids see that, and, and they, they see the example and the model of one more, and they want more, and so they grow up wanting more than we wanted more. Their more is a bigger more than our more, and they, they chase after it, and it causes us to do things that later in life often we're ashamed of. It causes us to make decisions that oftentimes lead us to, to, to trouble or heartache. It, it causes us to have great re regrets in our older life, but we still strive for more. We want more. We, I, I've, got, I've got an Apple watch. Come on, how many of you got an Apple watch? You know? Now I've got a version one. And some of you, I, see, you're laughing. You're laughing, right? You're making me want to go buy the four right now. See, there's four versions, and I've got the one. And I was browsing Amazon over the Christmas holidays, right? Because I'm seeing which version I'm going to upgrade to. And I'm honestly, I'm really embarrassed to have even told you. I was being transparent right there to tell you I have the version one. That's, it's, I know, it's very embarrassing that I have the version one. You can get the version one now on eBay for like 150 bucks. Come on, right? I know, it's funny, it's sad, right, that I'm wearing the version one. And it's really not that big a deal because the version four, the best version, the fastest, five times faster than this one, is only 400 bucks. Come on, you're thinking, I know, you're thinking, you know, what's up, Mike, you should have asked for that for Christmas, right? You know, and you know, you know, you're the same way. It may not be the Apple Watch, but it's something in your life that you're not satisfied with. You want the better version because you want more. Come on, let's be honest. Let's just say it, I want more. Some of you are struggling with it because you're a bunch of liars. <laughs> Jesus didn't miss it. He said, it's tough. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. I, I believe there's a couple of reasons. When we are driven to be first in our lives, uh, we are blinded by pride. We're blinded by pride. Pride's this thing you're born with. It's hard to shake. It's hard to catch. It's hard to notice in yourself. I have found that I can identify pride in others way quicker than I can identify it in me. You, are you with me on that? You know what I'm saying. You see people that, hey, oh, pride, they're, hot, they're haughty. You know, but then I look in the mirror, I'm like, but you're doing good, bro. <laughs> basically, basically pride, pride would be this, that it's all about me. It's all about me. 
You know what the problem with your marriage is? You, <laughs> see, yeah, it's all about you. That is, that is marriage counseling 101. If you want to fix your marriage, <laughs> fix you because it ain't her, <laughs> dude. It ain't her and it ain't him. It's you. The problem with your children, the reason they're all crazy and, and, and freaking out all over the place and running wild in the Walmart is because of you. You're the problem. The problem with your income, the problem with your job, the problem with your stinking thinking, the problem with mine is pride. Pride is all about me. It's all about me. And if I'm in the way, get out of my way because I'm in the way. It's all about me. You know I'm not going to do that literally, but here I am because of pride. But then it's get out of my way. My wife's not first. She's second. I'm first. You're not first. You're second. I'm first. God's not first. I'm first. He's second. Pride gets in the way when it's all about me, when I'm driven to be first. And the problem with that is that my whole life, pride has plagued me to care more about what others think than I should. And so I end up living my life trying to please people instead of trying to please God because of pride. Because it's all about me. Come on. You hearing me? Can we, can, we, can we say it? It's all about, it's all about me. When I'm driven to be first, I'm blinded by pride. Not only that, but when I'm driven to be first, I tend to trust in my own ability to be good. Now I know if you're a Christian or a believer, you've been walking with God for any length of time, this statement, you would like never, ever, ever be honest and admit this is true, but it, it, it actually is manifesting your, in your actions. People know this about you, but you, you live in denial about this, but I trust in my own ability to be good. My performance, my ability to be good is what I gauge my success on. I want to be good. At least I want others to think I'm good. I work hard to be good. I want to, I want to, I want to please God. I want to please you. I want to please my pastor. I want to be good. I want to be good. I want to be good in front of everybody. And so I, I, I do what everybody else does. I go to the, to the heap pile, the heap pile of good. And, and every day I put on a big layer of good. So you think I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. And how are you? You're good too, because you went to the same heat pile. You put the same mask on. You live your life based on your performance. And you know what really stands out is, is how we treat others when they fall, when people sin. I mean, have you ever sinned before? See, no, was it five people over here have. The rest of you hadn't sinned. Never sinned. You're like the guy in the story. I have been good my whole life. But these guys, these five over here, they've sinned. Well, when y'all sinned, everybody else, everybody else looked down on you because your performance dropped. You feel bad now, don't you? But it's true. We judge people. If something goes bad in my life, you, 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 don't, you don't look at me and like, well, let's pull up beside him. Let's pray and let's... Let's see, let's see. It's, it's probably just, you know, God's working in him and things like that. No, you're like, he's probably in sin. Because our mentality is all about performance. And it's not just what we think of others. It's what we think of ourselves. We want to be good, right? Don't you want to be good? And yet, even in our story today, Jesus said, why do you call me good? There is there's none good except God. Yet, when I'm driven to be first, I find that I trust 
way too much in my own ability to be good. The young man in verse 20 said to Jesus, all these things I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? In other words, Jesus, I've been there. I've done that. I even got the t-shirt. I've been good. Come on, raise the bar a little bit. What else can I do? You know, some theologians believe in studying the, the, the culture, uh, uh, the Jewish culture, they believe that it's very probable that the mentality of this young man was that, you know, I'm wealthy in this life and I know what the scriptures say about wealth in the next life. And so I don't want, I don't want to be just middle class in the next life. I want to be wealthy in the next life. So give me something more to do, Jesus, so I can do more in this life. So I'll have more in the next life. So I, I, I don't want to be poor in the next life. I want to be rich in the next life. Some theologians think that that was what he was doing here. He's like, tell me something else to do. And nevertheless, it was all about performance. And when I'm driven to be first, not only am I blinded by pride and lean on my own ability to be good, but it's true. We live for this life. We live for this life. We live for possessions. We live for wealth. We gauge our success in life by what we gain, what we get. Think about, and, and this, is, this is gonna land on most of you, think about you know, the majority of your time, where is it spent? The majority of your energy, where is it spent? It's spent at the job or at your business, trying to make more money. And as I said, when we talked about pride, it's just never enough. We always want more. And, we live for things. We live for a nice house. Wouldn't that be a goal? Young couples getting married, and what do they want? Well, they want, they want a nice house, and a, they want a couple of cars, and honestly, they want them all paid for, right? They want to be debt-free, you know? I mean, if you want to be debt-free, and, you know, yeah, I got to be debt-free, because then, then I can have more to give. Ha, 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 ha. You're right. No, so you can buy the Apple Watch 4. <clears throat> It's true. We live for this life. Yet when we're confronted on that, we slip into denial. And that's what the young man did here. Verse 22. But when the young man heard what Jesus said, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This verse, this verse has always scared me. And, and I, I would imagine if you were honest, it scares you as well. Because what if, what if today in the midst of worship, and I don't want to scare you away from, you know, that you never come back because, you know, that would be bad. But, but just what happens if in the middle of worship today, if God would have spoke to you and said, Charlotte, I want you to go sell everything, everything, give it to the poor and I'll take care of you. Yikes. <laughs> it's scary. I used to think God was going to call me to, to, you know, West Africa. I'm like, no, God, there's plenty of other people. Send them. But we're scared. We're scared of losing our control, our grip, our ability to, to hold it together. We really are. And Jesus, in this storyline here, was challenging that with this young man. And really, he was challenging his disciples. I believe it scared them. They were like, oh my gosh, did you hear what he just said? I mean, nobody's getting in heaven. It's going to be like Jesus and Moses. We're in a race to be first. That's what we've been taught all of our lives. And Jesus flips the script here and he says, the first, the first will be last, but the last will be first. 
this paradoxical statement. So what do we, what do we do? How can we strive? And this is crazy. I know I'm starting your 2019 off upside down, but how can you strive in 2019 to be last? You run into your buddy up at Academy and he says, Hey man, how you doing? I'm good, man. Trying to be last. I mean, who does that, right? How can we strive to be last, to be more like Christ? I'm going to give you a couple of things here. If you're taking notes here, write this down. When I'm last, humility is my posture. Humility is my posture. I love what someone said one time. Humility is not thinking less of myself, but thinking about myself less. We do think about ourselves. It's all about me, right? The goal with humility is to get me out of the way. That's a big task. It's a daily task. The Bible describes it as dying to self, taking up your cross daily, <laughs> taking up your cross, dying to self, and getting me out of the way. Humility is all about getting me out of the way. If I can get me out of the way, then I can serve the people in my life that God has given me. I can serve God, first of all, because I'm out of the way now. It's not about me anymore. It's all about you, Jesus. And truly, when I sing the songs, it's all about you, I'll really mean it. <laughs> you know, if, if I get me out of the way, I'm going to serve my family in greater ways. I will tell you this. In 2019, every person that gets out of the way, your marriage is going to excel. I sound like one of those prosperity. I'm dealing some prosperity today. Your marriage is going to go to a new heights. <laughs> it's true. Get out of the way. You're the problem. Humility says, I'm going to get me out of the way. It's not about me anymore. It's about them. I, I, I've been working on this for a couple of years. And I deliberately look for opportunities to be last. At my house, I'm last to eat. This weekend, we made some food. And I wasn't sure if there was going to be enough, you know, because I'm a man. I like to eat, right? Come on, men, where you at? We like to eat. It wasn't enough meat. That's the problem. I don't care how many beans there are. There's got to be enough meat, right? And so I had not prepared the meal. Uh, you know, someone else had. And so, you know, I would have had double the meat. But anyway, nonetheless, I was concerned there wasn't going to be enough meat for me. I was going to get some, but was I going to get enough? Well, so I chose this opportunity to be last. I said, y'all get what you want. Get everything you want. Well, sure enough, there was enough meat for me. I was very full when I was done, but it was just a test. And we have to do this regularly. We have to get out of the way. Let others excel. Let others step into the limelight. You know, I honor Pastor Jordan today. Pastor Jordan's our lead pastor. He could, he could, he could hold this stage like in a firm grip. He could be up here every week up here preaching his heart out. And he's got plenty in him to do that too. And plenty of wisdom to give us everything God wants for us. But you know what? He gets out of the way and he lets me speak. He lets Pastor Casey, Pastor Van, Pastor Micah, and Pastor Steven speak on this stage, on the other stages here. And I honor that. He gets out of the way. That's saying it's not about me. You want your marriage to be better. Men, get out of the way. Do what the Bible actually says and, and be submitted to one another. Be considerate of your wife. What does that mean? If you don't know, find out. It's worth it. Honor your wife. Don't talk down to her. Don't beat her up. Don't, don't be rude and mean to your wife. She is not your dog. 
Wait, wait, don't clap. Don't clap yet. But if she feels like she is, that's because you're in the way. And you've treated her like that. Ladies, love your husbands. Love your children. I treat, I got grandbabies. So I did okay with my kids. Yeah, older people know what I mean. But I'm doing great with my grandkids. They love me. My kids like me. They love me. I really wish I could get a redo on my kids because I really would treat them like I'm treating my grandkids now. So I got my practice run in. <laughs> I'm the real deal. But I really would. I love them. They don't, look, they don't get away with, with disobedience. They don't get away with being, being rude or out of line. But I'm going to tell you what, they, I, I get out of the way. It's not about me. Get out of the way. Get out of the way at your job. It's not your boss's fault that you don't make enough money. It's your fault. You're in the way. You're in the way of a pay raise. You're in the way of promotion because of your attitude and your posture. And humility is a posture. You know, the reason God can't do more in your life and, and trust you with more in your life is because you're in the way. Get out of the way. Let humility be your posture. First Peter 5, 6 says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God <laughs> that he may exalt you in due time. I believe this. Humility is a posture of my heart that enables me to follow God's leading. And if I'm not humble, I'm in the way. The second thing, if I want to be last, if I want to be last, if I'm chasing being last to be like Christ. Number two is following the Holy Spirit is my position. If I want to be last, following the Holy Spirit is my position. I remember back in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, when I first got saved, I started noticing these bumper stickers. Uh, and, and I'm not knocking them. This is, it was cool back in the day. It probably meant something to somebody, but he had a bumper sticker that said, Jesus is my co-pilot. And I thought it was so cool. How many of you had that bumper sticker? I'm just going to talk about you. You know, yeah, there we go. Bumper Sid, yeah, I knew it, I knew it. See, I had one too, me and you. And so we were the only two. But it, it really, it was like so cool. Jesus is my co-pilot. Doesn't that sound really cool? But then later as I grew older, and I'm, I'm sure you did too, I realized that I don't want Jesus to be my co-pilot. I have no business being in the cockpit at all. I'm going to get in my seat and let him fly the plane. But following the Holy Spirit is my position. I've got to listen to God. I've got to get out of the way humble myself and listen to God. You know, Jesus told us that my sheep hear my voice. I have to hear the voice of God and, and be willing and, 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 and ready to listen and not just hear, but do. I don't want to be just a hearer of the word of God. I want to be a doer of the word of God. I want to take action on those things. And, and the only way to do that is to honor the Holy Spirit, to listen to the Holy Spirit, to invite the Holy Spirit into our lives to speak to us. I, I think part of the problem with me being in the way is that I haven't been listening to God because the whole time he's been saying, you're the problem. Get out of the way and let me work in your life. It seems so elementary, yet it's so real in every one of our lives. So we listen to the Holy Spirit and we follow the Holy Spirit. I believe this, that the way I handle struggles in life says a lot about where the Holy Spirit is in my life. Is he leading me? Is he in front of me? Or is he behind me carrying my hurts and my pain and my baggage? So often in life, it's me just, I got this. Oh, hey, God, I need you. Instead of saying, God, where would you lead me today? 
What do you want to do today? Where do you want to go today? Romans 8, 14 says, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. We must be willing to be led by the Holy Spirit in this life. Following the Holy Spirit positions me to receive customized assignments to achieve. On assignment for God. Specific for who I am and and my season of life and my location and my job and my home and my community. The Holy Spirit is way ahead of me. He's looking at all the opportunities and he's saying, now which one can I give you? And when I'm hearing the Holy Spirit, he puts me on point, on mission. There's no greater fulfillment in life, in my opinion, than hearing God following through and seeing the fruit. It makes me want to sign up for more. How about you? Hearing the Holy Spirit. The last thing, if we want to be least, if we want to be last and be Christ-like, that when I'm last, eternity is my place. So many of us live for this world only. For money, for possessions, for fame, for fortune, for recognition. Just somebody say, hey, you're doing a great job, right? We're just anything. Just we're living for now. But when we take our eyes off of me and we take our eyes off of the now, and we take our eyes off of this life and we set our eyes on eternity and eternity becomes our place. The Bible, the Bible describes this life as, as like a garment that we wear and we shed it into the next life. I want to be looking at eternity and eternity with Christ. Those who are in Christ are going to live forever with him, with him forever. This life is but a vapor. It's like tiny. It's like a hair compared to my head. It's small. The next life is the life, the real deal. This is really a practice run for the next life. Eternity is where our focus should be. When our focus is on eternity, it changes everything. Now the way I see myself, now the way I see others, now the way I treat others, now the way I invest my life in God's kingdom, the whole scripture that says, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven has a brand new meaning because now my eyes are on heaven. My eyes are on then, not now. And so bring the then to the now. I'm ready now. Somebody came into my store years and years ago before I was a pastor and it was a pastor. I wasn't yet. And uh, I was, I was, anyway, Still full of pride, but anyway, it was more, more then than now. But he said, uh, Brother Mike, how you doing? Called me Brother Mike. And um, so I was like thinking about eternity at the moment in that season of my life. And, and I said, man, I can't wait to die. <laughs> Big grin on my face. And uh, he was like, oh, brother, it's going to come soon enough. Don't rush it. You know, he was, he was worried about me. He was like calling the suicide hotline. But... I really meant it. I meant it. I can't wait to die. I can't wait to be with Jesus. I can't wait for eternity to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. So I'm going to live this life with my eyes on that life. And it changes the way I feel and act and live in this life. Because I'm not living for this life. Take my money. Take my wealth, God. I don't care. It's all yours. I'm living for then, not now. Scripture says in John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many mansions. Come on, somebody say, I want a mansion. See, it's all about you. Why'd you say that? (laughs) 
If it were not so, I would have told you. I go, Jesus said this to us, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there, you may be also. He wants us with him in eternity. He wants us to get our eyes off of this life and put it on that life in eternity. When the focus of my life changes, everything changes. The focus of my life changes when I am driven by my place in eternity. The Bible says this, that all those in Christ are gonna live forever with him. It puts a little more weight on that statement when you realize that if you're not in Christ, you're not gonna be with him throughout eternity and eternity is gonna be eternal separation from him. And we don't want that. We don't want to live our lives missing the fact that eternity with Christ is our reward. And we're not there yet, but, but until we get there, Let's live like Christ. Let's chase being last so that we might be first on the other side. Once you get along with God, we're going to pray and ask God to help us with this this week. Just get along with God right there wherever you are, all across the room. Uh, some of you are here today and you, you, you heard this message. And yes, it may have challenged you, but you're looking forward to the other side. Others of you, you you're you're hearing this message and it's, it is a great challenge for you. And you're like, you know what? I got some work to do. And God, I'm praying right now for each one of us that that work we have to do, God, would begin now. That we would truly humble ourselves before your mighty hand. God, and that today we would listen to your Holy Spirit. And that today we would begin to set our eyes on eternity, the life to come. And God, that it would change everything in this life for all of us. Father, I also pray for those of those that are here today that maybe, maybe they came here today searching for hope and they don't know Christ here today. They don't know God. As a matter of fact, if that's you, nobody's looking around right now. If you're here today and you don't know God, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to him or been saved, I wanna pray a prayer right now. I wanna pray a simple prayer right now uh, of faith. A prayer of faith. And the Bible says this, if we believe in our hearts that Jesus died for our sins and we confess it with our mouths that we would be saved. You may be here today or you may be watching us online and you're away from God. Just say something like this. Pray something like this to God. Say, God in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. I turn from them today and I ask you to save me. Come live inside of me. Teach me to, to know you. Teach me to love you. And just say something like this. Say, God, I give you all of me and I receive all of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody, I want you to look at me real quick. If you prayed that prayer today, the Bible says that God is faithful to forgive us of our sins. He's faithful. I, I can stand here today and say, if you prayed that prayer from the bottom of your heart and you, you ask God to forgive you, he, he says your sins are forgiven. He's like, it's done. The cross paid for that. The cross of Jesus paid for that. And now God's reaching his hand out. And he's saying, now hold on to my hand. Let's go. I'm going to show you how to live this new adventure. Isn't that exciting? Go on, give it up for those who made decisions today. What do you say?
If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God, and we'd love to help you with your next few steps. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you're in one of those areas, we'd love to see you at one of our live services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and directions. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time.